Last week, we talked about systems versus the squishy side of leadership. This week, we take a deep dive into the follower dilemma. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited because today we get to talk just Lisa and I about something that's really important to us. You know, every week on the podcast, we generally have a guest that we get to talk to, but we really like these deep dive episodes where we like to talk about one specific thing as it pertains to organizational growth, nonprofit growth. And today we're having a conversation about followers. Yes. I'm so excited about this conversation. I feel like when we talk, just the two of us, we're kind of letting people into our normal conversation. And I'm not joking about that. We love to go in depth and talk about what we're learning, what we're seeing, and how we can be helping the organizations that we work with. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like (laughs) if we just turn hit the record button on, man, like 90% of days, (laughs) we'd end up with a lot of conversations like this. So it's, it's fun to be able to catalog some of these conversations and really... Uh, learn as we talk because I learn a ton from just talking to Lisa and I don't know if she learns as much from me oh I do okay sweet that's good that's good it's not not a one-sided relationship that's good well let's go ahead and kick off the conversation I'm going to ask you a question about followers and then Lisa you just get us going all right so how important do you think followers are to an organization I think followers are hugely important. Um, Before we dive too much further into this, I do want to specify, like, when we talk about our flywheel, there's a huge difference between the followers and the right people. Um, There are two different categories, and followers are so important because those are the people who are Uh, understanding what you do, kind of tuned in, have given permission to at least hear what you're working on, what you're doing. Um, And they're really where you're pulling the right people from over time. Um, Sometimes we think, you know, I'm just going to focus on the people who are in it with me. And that is important. But with any organization, as you're looking for growth, you have to have a way in which people are able to engage and begin the process of learning about you. I feel like followers are the place where people are kind of dipping their toes in just a little bit and saying, okay, I'm, I'm interested. Um, and I'm interested enough to just pay attention, I guess is the easiest way to, to say it. Yeah. When you think of a, like a funnel, right? Followers is definitely the big wide gaping opening mm-hmm. of the funnel. And without a good system and structure in place and mindset about what followers are and the role that they serve in your organization, you're not going to treat them the way that you should to be able to see that growth happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, massively important. If you don't Hugely have important. a good strategy when it comes to developing and uh, amassing more followers, <laughs> amass, that's a word that we <laughs> uh, had a crossword answer about earlier today. That's why I'm laughing about it. But um, if you don't have a good way to amass those followers, you're cutting your organization's growth off at the knees. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people get confused because they think in order to grow, I need the right people. But the followers aren't so that you're growing immediately today. The the followers are really the place where you know that you have the potential to grow. 
over the next three months, six months, five years, 10 years. Um, if you're not constantly bringing those followers around you and just getting the word out about what you're doing in a way that's strategic and helpful, um, and then not cultivating those relationships in a way that's really beneficial to those relationships, um, that's really, really important. Um, and if you're not doing it, you kind of cut yourself off for the future and what you're able to do. Because what we see a lot is people will get focused on having the right people, the volunteers, the people who are consistently contributing to your organization, um, the people who are really on mission with you, the people who really get it. But then they kind of ignore the followers. And eventually, when things turn over and you realize, man, we need more of the right people, you just don't have a pool to draw from. Yeah, and then you start scraping the bottom of the barrel. You end up with not the right people in the right people positions. Yep. Or you ask a follower who's not yet committed to what you're doing, too much of a commitment, and they quit before they ever have a chance to truly develop into someone who is 100% for what it is that you're trying to do. So I think a lot about what followers aren't because that helps me a ton when I'm thinking about organizational growth. So a follower isn't somebody who liked a page on Facebook. A follower isn't just like a subscriber on YouTube. A follower isn't somebody who um, knows that you exist. Right. It's a step further than that. I would say a better way to categorize a follower might be to say that they're a fan. Mm -hmm. They're a fan of your organization. They're a fan of what you do. They're a fan enough where they've said, yes, I'm giving you permission to keep me in the loop about Mm -hmm. what's going on, and I'm going to actively stay in the loop. They're not just somebody that signed up for an email list and then never checks their email. They're the person who signed up for the email list. They're not giving yet. They're not uh, volunteering yet. They signed up for the email list, and they read every single one. Yeah, That's a follower. Think about that for yourself. Someone who you've maybe followed, like you've gotten on their email list, or you not only follow them on Instagram or Facebook, but when you see them post something, you actually take a moment to mentally engage with it. Uh, Maybe you aren't liking, maybe you aren't responding, maybe you aren't signing up for anything beyond that point. But when you see something come through, you're like, hey, I recognize that. I'm interested enough that I'm going to read and see what's happening just a little bit. Maybe not read the full paragraphs, but just engage with it a little bit. Those are the people who you're really trying to get people into that space um, because that's where you're able to grow them into something more for the future. And that's really where you're going to be getting those future people. Um, That's where you're going to be getting them from. I think a lot of organizations have a strategy to try to grab followers, but because they have a mindset that says once they've liked the page, then they're a follower or once they've signed up for a list, then they're a follower because they have that mindset. They're not thinking about taking it from that initial. Yes, I'm giving you permission, but I'm not really giving you permission yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Since they're not taking it that one step further saying, how can we actually engage this follower and make them into a fan? Yeah. Or else sometimes they go um, the direction of, okay, I have this follower And because I want people to become the right people over time, I'm going to immediately start asking them to do the things right people do. Um, And sometimes a follower will see that and say, yeah, you know, I'm kind of interested in following what you do, but it seems like you're asking so much of me and I'm not even bought into what you're doing yet that I'm going to back off before I've even had a chance to learn anything else about it. Because if the commitment is this high now, what's it going to be like if I get any closer? 
we've just had our third date. Why are you down on one knee asking me to marry you already? <laughs> this is a little creepy. <laughs> it's just a little bit. It's kind of too much. Yeah. And so, yeah. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about strategies for how do you grab the attention of future followers? Mm-hmm. That would be the, the, the pool from which you're going to actually pull into this real follower category. And then how do you move them along the spectrum? Because followers, obviously, they have that initial, they are paying attention, but mm-hmm. then you have that whole spectrum all the way to the point where they're like just about to contribute for the first time or just about to say, I want to volunteer or just about to, to figure out how they're going to be a part of the organization, get some skin in the game. So there's that whole spectrum. Let's talk about some strategies about getting people to move along that spectrum. I think first you have to know who it is that you're trying to attract. That's good. I mean, if you say, well, you know, anyone could be a follower, you're probably not going to attract anyone. Um, and this is yeah. this is a problem. <laughs> I see this problem a lot. Uh, when it comes to different businesses, business owners that I talk to in, in an inside and outside of the nonprofit world, it's kind of like, well, this is kind of for everybody. And it's like, dude, you've already <laughs> given up. <laughs> like, this is not, you have to drill and be way more specific because in order to get somebody to move from feeling completely anonymous to becoming more of a fan, they have to have a connection. Mm-hmm. They have to have that connecting piece. And so they can't connect if there's nothing really tangible to connect to. Agreed. So knowing that follower, like knowing that avatar of what that follower is, is going to help you to actually connect with them. And they're going to say, this is the organization for me. This this strikes me on so many different levels. I'm going to pay attention. And I think it's a fear of a leader of really diving down and figure, figuring out who that one perfect person is. Because we think if I figure out one perfect person, then that means I am cutting out the other seven, eight billion people on the planet, um, which means I'm not going to be as as effective as I could be because I'm drilling down to one person. But what we've learned is as you drill down into that one perfect person, you attract not just that person, but also the people who share 80 to 90 percent of the qualities of that person. I'd say even 70. Even 70 percent. You attract people who... The majority, like anything over 50%, they're going to... Right, they're similar. Yeah. They're similar enough to say, this this, this feels like uh, this feels like me enough that mm-hmm. I want to check this out. Um, we're a part of a coaching program that is has just been fantastic for us. And we're not his ideal perfect customer. Like he's talked about his very specific ideal customer. I'd say that we're kind of on the out, outer edges of what is his ideal customer, mm-hmm. but we're still like, this is extremely valuable for us. And we see the connections enough to, to really latch on to them. Right. And I think in a lot of ways, if he had tried to reach his perfect customer and keep in mind us, he would have lost us, which is really strange. It but is I think really he strange. But I think if he would have had his perfect customer in mind and thought through also, if Ted and Lisa joined, I'd like it to be like this. The program that we're a part of and the coaching that we're a part of, 
would have almost been too broad and we wouldn't have been able to grab anything tangible from it. Yeah, but it would because, have been way too much to bite. Right. But because it's so specific and it's a very specific process for a very specific type of client and to identify very well with that client, we're just not that client exactly. We have gained so much from the program because it was so specific, even though it wasn't specifically targeting who we are mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I think about our local pizza buffet place. It's good. It's called Pizza Ranch. It's delicious. It's amazing. But there's a big difference between all-you-can-eat pizza lunch buffet and getting, like, a brick oven cooked pizza with Mm -hmm. a glass of wine. There is. But even Pizza (laughs) Ranch doesn't try and serve everything. They still narrowed it down to pizza and a few things that go well with pizza. That's true. That's true. So even the buffet hasn't opened up every but possible. I think but I think I mean everybody I and mean, maybe you guys uh, remember old country buffet I don't even know if they're a- around anymore um, or they're you know in the south there's a place called Golden Corral where it's kind of, it's a buffet but they serve like everything from like steak to fish to like salads and like everything cornbread chili like it's er- any kind of food tacos pizza they have pizza there macaroni and cheese like everything and it's all a five <laughs> like none of it is a 10 you're like yeah the steak's a five yeah this ice cream's a five yeah these green beans are a three why did you even put these in the in the buffet <laughs> why are they here <laughs> <laughs> but um we have to have that mindset that says we're gonna drill down and be specific that way we can serve uh, our followers something that they are going to come back for Mm-hmm. Not just when they're starving and they're like, I don't care what I, I want. I don't care put. what it is. I just want food. Our, our The culture that we live in today is so full of content and so full of different causes that people can really latch on to that if they're at a place where they're like, I'm just starved to find a nonprofit, they're going to find one. But it's probably not going to be you because there's so much. There's like, so the, the many. The statistical yep. probability that they're going to land on your nonprofit is so tiny. And so that's why you need to find the people who are specifically starved for your very specific brand of what you do. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said. Like at a buffet, a lot of times you're going to say, you know, it's a five. Everything's a five. Maybe everything's a six. Maybe if it's a great buffet, everything's a seven. Um, But the fact of the matter is, if everything across the board is a five, then no person coming in is going to rate it at a ten. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but if everything there, if you only serve one specific thing, but it's a 10, every person who likes that thing is going to rate it as a 10 and everything, everyone who's like, yeah, that's okay, is going to rate it as a high version of that item. Yeah. And it's going to attract all of the people from around the area to come in and try your version of that very specific thing. Mm hmm. There's a reason why Old Country Buffet and Golden Corral have to have lots of locations because people aren't going to go out of their way to go to to Golden Golden Corral. Like there, it's it's got to be sort of nearby because it's sort of a, an impulse buy of yeah. dinner. I would contribute to this, but I've never been to a Golden Corral. It's because, Old Country Buffet, but it's a little bit yummier. But that's why I haven't been to one is because oh. of the response and what I hear about from other people. Is it just <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I'm like if I'm going to travel for food. I'm going to get the good food. It's Old Country Buffet with a chocolate fountain. That's the big thing that they have going for them, is that they got a chocolate fountain. And even that chocolate is not that good. It's kind of just like bad Hershey syrup coming out of a chocolate fountain. Technical chocolate fountain. (laughs) 
Uh, so, Golden Crow owners, if you're listening, sponsor this podcast. <laughs> Clearly, we we are huge fans. <laughs> oh no! But let's get back on the topic of followers. So, let's say we got a follower, somebody who you know. Let's say they. Let's just bring it into the realm of something tangible. They subscribe on an email list, and they and you send out a weekly email giving an update of what's going on in your nonprofit, or even monthly. Mm-hmm. And they're they're reading it, but they haven't done anything beyond that. So we drilled down enough to be able to write emails that get this person to engage and mm-hmm. actually read the email and know what's going on in the nonprofit. How do we move them? Because you said you don't want to overcommit right away. You don't mm-hmm. want to you know pop the question. So what do we do from there? I think it's really interesting because when Ted and I were talking about this a while ago, we realized that the same process to really be building the organization um, is the same process that you use to build followers into being more than followers. So here with our flywheel, we talk a lot about using your vision and your resources and that personal growth and the right people and just all those different pieces. And those ones are important, but especially with followers, letting them know what the right action is that you're taking. And they don't necessarily need to know the systems. You need to know what those are, but the measurable impact and the stories, like all those things that we touch on from an organizational perspective um, need to be brought into the realm of what the follower cares about so that they can begin to grow trust and grow care for and about your organization. So we were talking to one of our clients a while ago, and they said, hey, would this piece of measurable impact work well for this thing that we're trying to do? And we said, well, actually, if you took that piece of measurable impact and changed it just a little bit, it would work super well for the people who are already committed, who are already giving, um, who are already behind what you're doing. However, the way that you have it worded, that right there is really great for your followers. And that's going to help them know, here's our goal. Here's some of the stuff that we're doing. Here's some kind of proof of concept. It's not super heavy. It's not into the weeds, but it's just enough to make them see, wow, they're actually doing what they say that they're trying to do. It's not a ton of data, but it's just enough that if they're looking for what you are doing, they're going to see that and say, oh, this is an organization that's actually moving forward and actually doing it. We talk about trying to bring value in every conversation that you have and bring value in any kind of social media post or bring value in every interaction that you have with a client or whatever, whether they're they're paying for it or not, right, at that point. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about followers, it's really important to bring value. But what is the value they're looking for is the mm-hmm. real question we got to ask, especially when it comes to the nonprofit, because the value that a person is looking for with a nonprofit is a lot of times that feel good, like excited about humanity, seeing hope mm-hmm. <laughs> in the midst of a lot of like crazy stuff going on in the world. And so how do you bring that value? And that's by sharing the stories and showing that those stories are not just anecdotal, but they're part of a larger picture of all the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So that way they can connect and say, wow, this is this is exciting. Because the more that you get them pumped up about what's going on, the more they're going to feel like, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. A little bit of, you know, fear of missing out is kind of an important thing. A little bit of FOMO goes a long way when you say, like, oh, my gosh, we did this 5K event and we raised this much money and it was, it was so much fun. Here are some pictures and, you know, people are smiling and having a good time. And that creates in those followers, like, oh. 
that would have been a kind of fun first step for me. And I totally missed it. Like, I want to make sure I'm at the next one. Like, Mm -hmm. And with those things, you can always talk about, well, not always, you can talk about some of the what we like to call the deeper end of the pool things. Hey, we have a goal of raising $100,000. Would you, we're looking for a few people to, you know, like maybe donation match up to a certain amount or whatever it might be. You can put those out from time to time carefully. Um, But for your followers, what you really need to be showing them is the shallow end of the pool, the way that they can get involved, but the way that they can care about your organization, the way that they can contribute that isn't a huge commitment. It's kind of like, okay, so we've went, I'm going to use your day analogy. So we've gone on a first date. Here's a potential second date if you're interested. (laughs) Here's maybe a third date. But even saying, hey, every dollar does X, Y, and Z. Um, Here's a simple way. If you're interested in helping us out with this, would you please share this with someone else? Or do you know anyone who cares about this? Would you just share our name? It's not even that they're necessarily going to do it, but giving them simple steps in which they can begin to build trust with you or you can begin to build trust with them is how I should say it. And then you give them permission to take small action. And then when you hear about that, you cheer on their small action. Mm-hmm. and be okay with that. And I would say one thing that organizations mix up is they think the minute that someone has contributed money, they have gone from follower to committed to the organization. And if someone's contributing a dollar, $5, $10, even $25 a month, um, I'd say even then, in some capacity, you still need to be treating them as a follower and still intentionally building up that relationship. Yeah, part of it is that just because someone is a right people person or just because someone is inside of your organization building systems doesn't mean that you stop treating them like a follower. There's a reason why the flywheel is a circle. It's because everything is connected. Mm-hmm. And when someone gets taken up, I guess, up the ladder for lack of a, you know, further along in the flywheel, that's a better yeah. analogy. When someone's taken further along in the flywheel than being just kind of that initial fan, the thing that got them in there is the thing that's going to keep them around. You still want to make sure that they're hearing the stories, that they're getting excited about this, the things that are going on, and that that fuel that kind of pulled them into the organization and got them to care about the cause doesn't ever run out. And that doesn't run out whether they become a key volunteer, whether they become a huge giver, whether you actually bring them on staff within your organization. You have to know how to engage with them at that really base level and keep them as a follower, keep them as someone who cares about what you're doing. Because it's a really bad sign when someone who is highly vested in your organization turns off all their social media posts about your organization. Yeah, that's real bad. Um, And so recognizing the importance of communicating to the followers and knowing that, yeah, some of the people who follow you are going to be some of your core people, but they still need to hear it, too. You're not wasting their time by reminding them why they initially got involved and why they initially cared. If anything, you're increasing the investment that they have within your organization and their commitment to what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say another thing that you can start to do when you're trying to bring a follower further in, Lisa was saying, show them, show them the simple steps, show them the ways to uh, start to become more committed, but in a way that's really, really light. You're going to have some people that just jump 10 steps ahead and they're like, I am committed right now. And that's fine. But you have to remember, most people are going to want to take baby steps to get in because what you're doing is you're shaping their core identity. You're actually 
they're learning how to identify as a part of your organization. And that takes time. And the very process of developing that level of um, generosity or that level of caring about something outside of themselves or whatever it might be, that takes time to develop. So someone even clicking on a thing saying, I'm going to follow this, and then someone even reading an email and choosing to engage, that is changing something in them where they're starting to go from, I'm focused on what I'm doing to I'm opening the door to possibly caring about something outside of myself or outside of a cause that I've cared about previously. And it takes time for that door to be open and then for them to progress along that line, not just in terms of you building trust with them, but in terms of them building trust with themselves and them actually believing that they could care about this. And if they care about it, they could possibly do something about it. And if they do something about it, that they could possibly tell someone else about what they're doing with this thing. All of it takes time. And sometimes we want to get people from step one to step two to step three. And sometimes the best thing to do is they take step one, you say, great job, do step one again. Mm -hmm. Like, great job. You read the email. Read the next email. Great job. You engage in this thing. We're happy you engaged. And celebrating those steps and allowing them to repeat if necessary and not get upset that they're going slow, um, but give them time so that they can develop internally into the people that you want a year from now or two years from now. Yeah, and I would say, too, those that have had more of that slow burn, letting the this become a part of their identity letting the culture of the organization just kind of drip on them, those, they tend to stick around longer. From Mm -hmm. what I saw in, you know, my years in nonprofit work is that people who came in like guns blazing and like jumping in with both feet, they were also gone within a year. Mm -hmm. But those that I invested in and took them on a journey to identify more with the teams that I was running, they're still serving there 10, 13, 15 years later. Mm-hmm. And it's because they had that slow kind of, this is a bad word for it, but like indoctrination, right? Like you want to actually- <laughs> That is a terrible word for <laughs> it. Brainwashing, right? No. It doesn't just happen, <laughs> doesn't just happen overnight. Well, that's going to get taken out of context. Uh, no, <laughs> but kidding. I mean, it really is, it, it's because you're help, they're, they're deciding to shape their identity and it just, an identity shift takes a long time. And on top of that, when you have someone who jumps in super quickly, chances are they're jumping in because they feel it really strongly. And we all know that feelings are fickle. They can get us through for a while, but once the season hits where the feelings completely change um, or something else becomes the new thing that they feel about, they're more likely to go with their feelings. Um, But over time, when you have someone who comes in slowly, they're getting to know you. They're getting to know what you do. They're getting to know the work that you're doing, the people that you're helping, some of the programs that you're putting together, the events that you do. And eventually, when they become those right people, they aren't just connected to an idea, but they're connected to the overall concept and they're really connected to the organization. Um, And we've seen that, too, where some volunteers that we used to work with, you know, like maybe they were on a different team, even if like their direct leader stepped into a different role, the same volunteers would be committed because they weren't just committed with a really strong feeling to that leader, they were committed to an overall vision for the whole organization. Mm -hmm. And so when something would shift, something in them was more committed than the short-term feelings that they were feeling. Yeah, and that, that, like like I said, that takes time. Here is one thing that you can do if you are like, okay, I've got a bunch of people that are just kind of fans and I want to take them a step further. 
remember we talked about that what you're doing is shaping and helping them shape their identity to identify as part of the organization. I would challenge you to come up with a name or a title for what they are that has something to do with your organization that gets them to uh, really start to feel like it. Like uh, the, the, the best, the thing, um, here's an example of what I think most nonprofits want to happen with their followers. Mm-hmm. Um, with a specific example of church, someone says, hey, there's a church in town. They're like, they know it exists, but that's about it, right? Then there's, hey, I go to this church. Cool. They, they go to the church. I'd say that that's like a beginning of a follower. They go to the church. The next step is, hey, this is my church. That's a really big difference. All of a sudden now they are identifying as like this. I'm part of this church. I don't just go to that church. This is my church. Or if you look at, you know, football teams like, oh, yeah, Minnesota Vikings. Like I live in Minnesota. (laughs) That doesn't mean I'm attached at all to the Vikings. Right. (laughs) And then there's a difference between saying like, yeah, uh, that's our team. Then you have the fans that are like, that's my My team. team. And it like the further and more connected that their identity is to your organization, to your cause, uh, the more that they're going to be moving along the flywheel from follower to now they're ready to start contributing and being a part of what's going on and fueling the flywheel and pushing it forward. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I like that football analogy, too, of like, that's the team. It's my team. And then you have the whole next level where it's it's my team and I'm the one who hosts all the football parties to make sure other people who may or may not care about my team are here because we're all going to root for my team. And now I'm the guy who goes on to the, uh, you know, the forums and argues with all of the other teams (laughs) and, you know, calls them bad names. (laughs) (laughs) But it really is just such a process. And sometimes we think people are either followers or they're involved. And we forget that it's all on this, um, this spectrum, but the spectrum doesn't just go one way. Just as easily as someone can move from a follower into the right person, Ooh. the right people can also move from the right people to being a follower to not to no longer even being interested in what you're doing. Um, and so we need to be consciously and consistently aware of the way that we are engaging with the followers that we have around us. Because we might think, all right, so you've checked the box or you subscribe to the thing or you've liked something that I've posted. But that doesn't mean that we are guaranteed that same amount of attention tomorrow. Right. And if we're, we're not, not entitled to it, even yeah, though we might feel like we're entitled to it. Right. We are not entitled to it. We are not owed anything. And so that changes the way that we engage with people um, to remember that the followers that we have, like we're super fortunate to have them. But then remembering that it's not up to them to build the relationship as organizational leaders and as people who are going out and saying, we're going to make an impact, especially leading nonprofits. You have a vision for the world. You know what it is that you're trying to do. You see something great that you need to go take care of and something that's broken that you are uniquely equipped to fix. It is not their organ is not their responsibility to get to know you. It is your responsibility to cultivate those relationships. This is so good. This is a really, really, <laughs> really, really good conversation to have. Because I think so many organizations get just focused on like, oh, we need more followers. And then they just try to beat the drum of trying to get more followers in and then forget about 
the spectrum of like taking those followers that they currently have on a journey a lot of times is the answer to getting more followers. Mm -hmm. But instead, they kind of keep things, everything Mm -hmm. at this like extremely shallow level and just try to pack the kiddie pool with as many new followers as possible. And it's like there's got to be a point where they start moving along the funnel. And if you haven't figured out how to start training some of the kids in the kiddie pool to go into the adult pool and kind of dip their toes in and start to learn to swim with water wings. And then eventually, you know, they're, they're looking up and they're, they're seeing the people on the diving board. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to do that. So they have to pass the swim test. Like, mm-hmm. man, the, the pool analogy is so, just good, so in, easy and good in this uh, situation, but we have to figure out how to develop, develop those followers Mm-hmm. In order to gain new followers, because those kids on the diving board were probably followers at one point mm-hmm. that made that progression and them being up there and competing in swimming tournaments. Is that a thing? Swimming meets it swim is. meets <laughs> competing. That's what attracts new followers. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to be a part of that swim team. Yeah. And really showing that and showing the way that people can go from being a follower to being highly vested and showing that progression, showing that people have done it before, that they're not the first one, but then always keeping those initial contacts in mind. Because sometimes we go from like followers to we start developing the right people and then we say, okay, I have the right people. I don't need the followers anymore. Or we get so focused on, I have the right core people and they are my perfect people and all that, that we look back at the followers and have this attitude, well, if you're not the right person, you're the wrong person. And we don't give people the chance and the opportunity to develop into the right person because, yes, we have our perfect avatar. We know who our ideal person is that we're looking to work with. But that doesn't mean that someone just is born that perfect right person. A lot of times it's skills and time that they develop over time to become who that person is. And we need to give people permission to grow. Hmm. Permission but, and time mm-hmm. to grow. Because we're expecting them, we're hoping that they'll give us permission to speak into their lives and to kind of move them along this journey. We have to give them permission to take time if they need to, to do it and not force them in or, you know, pull it pull it out so so quickly that they're like, ah, this just came on way too strong. I'm going to go find a different organization where I can dip my feet in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's good. So this has been a really great conversation. Ted, do you have a wrap up question? Because normally we ask our, what does the idea of building a legacy mean to you? Well, this this one's a little bit different. when When we do these episodes where we talk with each other, we like to ask you, the listeners, a question. And the question that we have for you guys today is what is the biggest struggle when it comes to followers in your organization? However, it is that you define them because it can look different from, you know, we know, we have people who listen to this podcast that are business owners or are, are not actually working in the nonprofit space. We have people who are who are in the nonprofit. So who are your followers, first of all? But what is the biggest bottleneck that you're facing with your followers? If you can answer that question, now you know what you can work on to be able to improve the situation. Yeah, and we would love to hear from you. So as you're answering that question, if you want to shoot us an email, you can email us at office at legacybuildersintl.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to legacybuildersinternational.com. That's legacybuildersintl.com. 